0: This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture.
1: Hello and welcome to the AgriFutures On Air podcast. My name is Steve Honour and you may have heard me hosting our sister podcast, Evoke Evoke Ag. This week, while our regular podcaster Chris Brown takes a break, I am bringing you a podcast about an Australian innovation success story that is changing the future of farming. An Australian agri food startup known as Escovox is revolutionising the way we manage fresh food supply chains. Did you know that every year Australians waste $20 billion of food? And globally, that figure is closer to $1 trillion. This podcast shines a light on some of the issues around supply chain management, and more importantly, some of the solutions. A little blue box tracker described as CCTV for food that travels through the supply chain capturing data on dwell time, temperature and location may hold the answer. It uses real-time monitoring that's helping cut food waste, protect premiums and improve market access for all Australian farmers. Evocag contributor Casey Dunn caught up with Luke Wood, the CEO and co-founder of Escavox, to find out more about this technology.
0: Welcome, Luke. Thanks for joining us. It's lovely to have you here. Good morning. Can you start by telling us about Escavox and why it came about? Sure.
2: Um, Escavox started because we saw a problem in the supply chain. And the problem is um, food is senescent. It rots and dies. That's its purpose in life and um, we need cold chains to look after it to protect it to make sure the consumer gets it in the in the right uh, condition and how we want the consumer to have it and there are failings both technical and commercial failings in the supply chain to ensure that that cold chain is maintained and we found gaps and problems and when you find when the cold chain gets disrupted you accelerate senescence and that's a, a very nice way of saying you create loss food ripens too quickly we buy food it goes off quicker than planned we throw it in the bin and so it's we're here to sort of at a very macro level tackle food waste or food loss but really we're here to solve the inefficiencies in the cold chain that create that loss and that's
0: what we're here to do okay perfect can you give us an idea so it sounds like technology with a tremendous potential for the fresh food supply chains can you talk to us a little bit about that
2: yeah, So the, the technology is really twofold. And we often talk about our solution being of three layers. Um, the first thing you need to know is, is the journey that the food itself has gone on. The, the avocado that you and I buy in the supermarket, the, the lamb cutlet that we take, has its own completely unique journey. In both in terms of temperature, in terms of location and how it's moved through the, through the chain. So the first thing we do is we track that journey in its entirety or as far as possible using IoT devices and using some very smart technologies, which essentially gives the food a way to communicate to us in real time without dependency on anyone or anything around it. So the food itself, we essentially give the food a mobile phone in terms yeah. of an IoT device. And that's what we mean by giving the food its voice. We can now hear and see where it is. And then that's the first piece of the equation. Where is it and what states it in? And then the next piece is taking all of that data, and that's millions of data points and turning that into something that we actually understand. Well, what was happening? Was I increasing temperature? Did I spend too long somewhere? Where was I? Was I in the ripening shed? Was I at the abattoir? Was I in the pack shed? And giving that what we often call supply chain context, which can then, and that's that conversion, that's that data to information that then says, this is where and how I can make decisions. Well, therefore I need to change my model around my carrier. I need to adjust how I go through my ripening shed. I need to shorten the legs, whatever it might be. Every journey is different. Every supply chain is slightly different. So it's about the information so that the technology has enabled us to make the decisions we've always wanted to make. And so we're giving an insight to quality managers, to transport managers, to carriers, to ops guys throughout the chain a different way to make decisions. We were once described or we have been described as a client as a closed circuit TV for his supply chain. And like anything, when you can see and understand what's going on, your decision making either becomes more informed, therefore superior, or you get to make decisions you wouldn't previously make. So yes, it's a a powerful application of some really smart technology.
0: And objective verifiable data, which has been lacking. Is that it yeah,
2: and, and that's actually a really interesting point, because to date, we often talk about the supply chain being very siloed. It's a producer who moves to a packer, who goes to a retailer, to an outlet, or it's, a you know, there's different terms based on whether it's the meat or horticultural industry. And so people tend to manage their silos. And we go for a more holistic independence. So if I'm a producer trying to convince you of my quality to a retailer, you're not going to trust my figures. And I'm not going to trust yours because there's, a, there's an incentive there not to, to necessarily share. So we, we think of ourselves a bit like Switzerland for supply chain data. We don't have a, a commercial interest in the transaction of the food, the price or anything else. We're just here to provide the information that ultimately allows other people to make those calls. So our independence and our agnosticism
0: is quite important for us. Yeah, right. So who, who's using the technology now? Who so are your customers?
2: We, my customers are the producers at this point. So when we looked at the supply chain, if you can't give the producers value, you can't start the ball rolling. Our food starts with the producers. You, when you're there, you have to find a value proposition for them. So our customers are the producers, and we've got producers from horticulture to meat, from big to small.
0: Perfect. Um, so I I understand that you've partnered with MLA in some meat and livestock Australia in some trials yep. that have delivered really invaluable data on the shelf life of red meat yep. products. What led you to a partnership with MLA?
2: So like anything, we, we work with a lot of industry organizations and the, and the MLA is the most uh, predominant one, obviously, in, in the meat sector. So when you're an agnostic or an independent, And when you're a new business, people look to validate. People want to to confirm that you're doing the right things. And we also want to understand the industry in the right way. So we go to the right players. So we pick the MLA because they do represent the industry. They have a high level of integrity within themselves and how they operate. And they've got the industry's interests at heart. So they are also seeking industry-grade solutions. They're not representative of any single grower or any single channel or category. And that's completely aligned with our commercial and our business set as well. We want to make sure that we solve the right problems so that then as producers and customers come on board, it makes sense and the solution is working for them. So our our work with MLA is a a very natural, logical partnership for us.
0: Yeah. The impact of COVID-19 and the loss of air freight on fresh food supply chains has been tremendous. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about how Escovox has helped the red meat industry pivot to sea freight, which is something that was little used in the past.
2: Yes, yes, it's been very interesting. So COVID has just disrupted supply chains, period. Be them sea, be them air, we've seen all sorts of churn and air and change. And it's forced people to go and look at what's happening. And in the meat industry particularly, we export so much meat from Australia. And we're typically exporting both chilled, which carries a premium price in and of itself, and high quality chill. So it's some of the very top end uh, cuts. Historically, we work to a belief, you know, the faster we get it there, the better it is. Uh, And hence air freight, which is a a very expensive commodity and was was in in short supply. By tracking, and we did some work with MLA, not only do we know the time, the temperature, the location, we can actually physically track all that data automatically, but we work with them to work with their shelf life algorithms so that we can actually show in terms of shelf life, days of shelf life, the impact of any given journey. And what that's done is it's allowed us to show not only that sea freight with the right containers, the right reefers and the right management actually maintains uh, the shelf life. So now you can access markets that previously were considered air freight only markets. You can actually supply by sea and you can give the surety to your customers and your importers, wholesalers overseas that your shelf life and your quality is not being compromised. And what that's done is suddenly they can offer the same product with equal, if not greater quality control, actually, at a notably reduced cost in terms of shipment cost. Um, And this is the classic case of um, that's an inefficiency in, in the market. It's an expensive way to do, and there's a perception of of air freight, um, which ultimately creates waste, because if you get short shelf life, it gets marked down or written off or whatever it might be. And so we've done a lot of work there that's blending hard data, the time, the temperature the dwells and all these kind of things with an, an agreed MLA shelf life algorithm. How do we actually, as an industry, score the quality of our meat and give it a very clear output? It's very, very straightforward decisions to make.
0: Yeah. And it's opened up up uh, some it's extended market
2: access in the middle east uh it's it's certainly opened up some markets for for our customers there and it's not I, i'm cautious through its market access they carry a, a legal ramification um it's certainly we've got very clear case studies of our clients um it's brought them uh, additional customers uh, in the middle east because of their, their evidentiary capability it's brought them additional customers in the united states as well who are uh it's certainly, a lot of very high-quality meat and beef goes over there, um, and not only has it opened customers and channels, but it's reduced their cost to get to market. So they've actually had a double, win, double uh,
0: win,
2: which has been really nice for them, and and it's forced them to go on that journey that says, how do we do this more? How do I? How do I? You know, extend that further, and and as we're seeing now, just you know, of late with the disruptions in con- and container movements and of themselves. The ability to manage and manipulate that in real time has become really important. And it can be as simple as phoning a client saying, yes, I'm stuck in the Suez Canal, but actually it's OK. I'm watching it. It's in time. You're going to be well within you know requirements of shelf life or day. That's quite an important piece, um, as well as I know I can now get it to you and deliver to you in these conditions. So it's been very powerful. Yeah.
0: Speaking to its power, what, what are the other benefits or applications that are possible now that you can track an entire supply chain?
2: So it's really twofold. We often talk about this there's two, two ends of the equation. The first is very operational. And this is often the easiest to people get their heads around. Um, I'm, I'm running late. I'm running too hot. I'm too cold. Um, it fits in with current decisions that they just lack information for. And we all know the experience. It's very different if you, know, you order something to be delivered to your home. If somebody phones and says it's a day late, it just makes a lot more sense. You can learn to manage. So it's a very operational piece there. We've given a a level of information that was typically quite hard to get. And and you can change your day-to-day working experience. Hey, my truck's too hot or too cold. I can go and make operational decisions. And that's very powerful. Um, It changes often the relationship you have with either your suppliers, your carriers, and your customers. And it allows you to manipulate that. Nobody will ever say they don't want that kind of information. So it's very operational is the first kind of win. Um, And that really materializes in fewer rejections, and fewer claims against the product. And that's sort of the really hardcore win. That's a, that's back pocket kind of winning. Then on the flip side, we also see a strategic value set because what happens is we start building models and data models. And what we start seeing is the history of your movements. And now we start assessing, we start looking, this channel might perform better than another channel. This carrier might perform better, or you're getting a different outcome or a different result. And at that point, we we can apply, we, we have some, some powerful AI tools, and, and we start applying some longer-range thinking. Well, actually, you might need some cooling facility in this location, which allows you to drop the temperature here, which means you can now see freight from you know, a particular port that you couldn't previously. Maybe a particular channel or source of supply always has a delay in certain areas. So now we start taking a more strategic view. We've got clients that we know have used that data to make capital decisions on where to invest in uh, storage and, and capability, uh, particularly in the Hort sector about pulling field heat out of a product, for example. So we've really, we're really running at two layers. Short term, make an operational shift to my business. I feel comfort. I can give that to pretty much any existing capability. And longer term, when I look at the strategic thinkers and the investment boards, who start saying, yeah, where do I need capability? Where do I go and play? So we, we work in both
0: spaces. And it's not just food, right? There'd there'd be opportunities for um, pharmaceuticals, anything really which needs temperature, which is temperature sensitive during freight.
2: Yeah, there is. Um, We focus heavily on food um, at this point, but you're right, anything temperature, uh, you know, vaccines is is the obvious, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. example uh, in in the current moment. Um, We do a lot of work with plants. So a lot of nursery plants um, prior to it becoming food, but they're at the start of the whole chain as well. Um, and most, so most of our focus is on food, um, because there's this ripeness, this consumer element to it. Um, vaccines are really interesting because you're either cold or you're not. So they're very binary in their decisions. If I have an excursion of X for X amount of time, I can just write it off. Nobody's going to take it. I've got very clear safety controls, whereas foods are shades of gray. Um, you know, if I'm too warm as an avocado for too long, then maybe I change, I put that at the front of the queue. So I don't just work to a FIFO now, I start looking at quality of product so that my consumers getting the right thing. So, yes, we are applicable in those arenas. Um, typically we stay with the food piece because there's a nuance to the data, and that's really the power of it.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great explanation. Can you talk to us about opportunities that you see to partner with other tech businesses here and internationally for expanding Escavox?
2: Yeah, there's a lot for us. So we're sort of a uh, our strategy and, and our growth is i very much come from a school of it takes a village um, no one guy is going to solve this and i think historically a lot of businesses have approached the you know i'll just own the market i'll do everything and i'll see it all and we've sort of taken we've come to market with a very different approach the the value to us is the information and do we get that to the right person at the right time and that allows us to do a couple of things actually in a very very particular way we can work with different hardware manufacturers I mean, we have produced our own device and our own capability, but we certainly don't claim to be the best engineers on the planet. So there's definitely capability there and how and what technology we can use, what already exists, what capability and data do you already have that we can apply? So there's a lot of work on the integration of existing data sets that focus on supply chains. And that can come from carriers, from producers, from manufacturers, from value added uh, levels all throughout the chain. At the other end, we've got, how do we actually implement this? There's a lot of, um, a lot of people in the market with deep domain knowledge of their particular category. Um, there are people whose careers are spent on how to harvest and ripen an avocado correctly. There are whole careers based around the best way to process you know, sides of beef and lamb and so on. And um, so working with teams like that, how do we implement? How do we get this data into the hands of the right people? So as a growth and as a model for, for Escovox, it's looking for partners both in the, the technology space, who's got the better tools or the smarter ways of doing things, um, as well as who's got the expertise in how we tune and deploy these. So we're absolutely built for a partnership. We are but one part of the, the larger story. And what's
0: what's on your radar in the immediate term for expansion? What are you looking at?
2: Um, We're looking at uh, some major exporters around the globe, Um, as we talked about earlier, really our focus is is the people that produce the food to start with. Because if you can keep them happy, everything becomes downstream. So our immediate focus is we look at the larger production areas Um, and we grossly oversimplify, but we basically say the southern hemisphere feeds the north. Um, so we're looking at the the major production: the Southern Africa, South America, and for us it's the the high sensitivity, high value lines. Uh, think berries, think mushrooms, avocados, broccoli, beef, lamb, chilled product. Um, and so we're starting to work into those areas. Um, and so our sort of our six to twelve month horizon is some of the expansion into international export markets, uh, which are predominantly governed in those regions, and our continued work here domestically. The way. The way we're it as we get more view of the chain, as we integrate more partners, we use Australia to develop the real skill sets. And then our international market is sort of one one step or one version behind, if you will, as we start deploying and looking for growth. So we, we use Australia to develop and we all use our partners and the rest of the international market to really deploy and get commercial growth for our business
0: yeah and you've got a series b
2: capital raise underway we are we are underway in series b we have a number of very interested parties we've um, it's been an interesting race for us we've deliberately sought investment from outside of australia uh we want a couple of international partners and we're we're big fans of um the expression they all love to use smart money um there's there's not a not a vc house that that doesn't claim to be that but uh but <laughs> But well-connected, we, we like to involve our investors. We like our investors to be aligned with us both on our mission and with their capability and how they can help us. So we're, uh, uh, we're sort of about 80% through our Series B. We've got a number of very important partners lined up. So we're, we're hoping to cl- get that closed in probably the next 60 to 90 days. Yeah,
0: great. Um, we should, we'll go back to the very beginning. Let's talk about what the tracker is,
2: how sure. it works. Um, The tracker is a little blue box. We did a lot of work on what a tracker needs to be and shouldn't be. Its guts are very, very smart. It does. To track food, you need to know the time, the temperature, and the location. Those are the three most important things. And so the first thing we do is we have a thermometer. It's an air-based thermometer. Um, Time is relatively easy. Any, Any chip will give you that. And then we do a lot of smarts around the location. We actually use cell phone networks. Um, to communicate, and then we do a bunch of smarts locally to try and get location. So our location's down to about 100-meter accuracy, which for a fairly dumb device is pretty good. Um, so we don't use GPS. We use cell phones and networks for that. And then we put a bunch of additional sensors around that so we also know humidity, we know light, we know motion. And really, we use humidity, light, and motion, what we call uh, supply chain Factors. So am I moving? Am I not? Uh, Light tells us about trucks opening and closing, for example. And so we use them to assess the actual journey through the supply chain and then the temperature uh, and the time are the key quality factors. And that's what we've done. And we've we've sort of settled on a very, very deliberate design suited for food. Um, and then we've got a very long battery life to handle um, uh, long exports. So, you know, if you're on water to the U.S., your journey can be anywhere from 20 to 60 days. And then we accommodate that and it's a global device. So wherever your product goes, uh, we'll be tracking it happily wherever it lands. And every, every month we take a little snapshot of the system and see where our clients have sent stuff. And we're slowly seeing dots appear in, in many, many parts of the globe, which is personally incredibly satisfying. But uh, and every time we hit a new country, we, we tick the box to go. Yep, test it, tested. it, test it. So we, we, we now know we're working.
0: It takes, it captures data every 15 minutes and transmits every
2: 30. Is that right? Yeah, we can set it to whatever we like. Okay. Um, What what we've found is that's about right for most people. Um, That's frequent enough to be, quote, real time, um, but not so frequent as to be prohibitively expensive. So that's, that's about the sweet spot that we have for most people. And we've got some smarts in there around based on, you know, we work with some ocean carriers now so we can be transmitting through the actual container itself when it's on sea. Um, if, we're, if we're not with a partner carrier, then we go to sleep while we're on the water because we know. So there's a lot of smarts in there. But yes, it's, we find that's about OK. Much more than that, you don't gain any more value from it. Much less than that, you start missing critical points.
0: One another point of difference of yours is it's real time, it's real time monitoring, it's not a huge CSV file at
2: the end of a journey. No, and when we did the research, we found a couple of problems. Um, the first one was, um, if you wait to the end of the journey, that's too late to make an operational decision and typically requires somebody doing something plug it into something, or scan something, or send something. And if I'm sending something overseas, I don't know who's at the other end of that journey. Um, So I can't predict their behavior. I can't enforce their behavior and so on. So it had to be autonomous. And autonomous means talk to anything, anywhere and don't require people. By default, I can do that in real time. So, yeah, it's nice, timely data. And the other bit that really changes and what we've worked hard to do is to recognize the legs of a supply chain. Don't just tell me where I am physically. Tell me where I am within the context of the chain. Well, you're at your ripener, you are moving to the port, you are at your 3PL in Korea, because that's how you make decisions. I don't make decisions because it's at a certain address in Seoul. I make an address because that's my ripener or whoever it might be. So we give that context to it. And that data structure allows us to be a little bit smarter about a how we present the data, but also how we share and manage that data so that I can share just a leg with my importer in Singapore I can show him that and I can work with him on his particular arena and it allows us to segment so the real time is very powerful and the segmentation or the legs of the journey are arguably even more powerful.
0: It sounds to me that you it's it's simple technology with really complex applications how did you actually come about designing it lengthy process lots of partnerships how did you how was it managed?
2: Yeah, combination. And and actually, you answer that. If you look at our team, it really comes out of there. So across the team, I'm a supply chain guy. That's my background. Um, We've got agronomists. I've got PhDs in sensor and technical design. And when we looked at it, what we never said was, can I sell a piece of hardware or can I write a piece of software? Like any great thing, we said, what's the problem? And the problem is I can't see what's going on. So hence we took this very iterative approach. So it's a very holistic approach. We've never lost sight of the problem. And and that's forced us to think beyond our own remits and and adapt and balance. So I I think it's a good good summary that the technology itself in theory has existed for a while. There's nothing new about a sensor. There's nothing new about a cell phone device. There's nothing new about thinking about plugging it all together in a very holistic fashion. Uh, requires it's we come back to it takes a village um, no one of us actually knew this and so we could answer a lot of the technology and a lot of the process initially and then we've done a lot of work with our partners and our customers in the early days to discover what does drive a decision what does change that how does a right wing work how does an abattoir work and we we give context to that so it's it's been a journey of a number of years which has lent heavily on I did the maths once, I think there's something like 300 years of experience in the team, which covers every angle of technology, supply chains, uh, process design, agronomy, post-harvest, it's an incredible mindset. It's only when you give that team a very single, singular problem you, you get our answer.
0: Yeah, just a, it's such a, such a massive problem, food waste, a trillion-dollar global problem, and to have, to have an Australian solution to that is
2: is a credit to, to you all it is okay and we love it and um if i uh, actually said it best for us so we're we're spoiled down here we have some of the finest food in the world um and as consumers our access to that food is extraordinarily good our supermarkets carry some of the freshest highest quality produce and and as my investors told us if if you're making the best get better imagine what you can do around the world
1: that was Evoke Ag contributor Casey Dunn speaking with Luke Wood, CEO and co-founder of Escovox, an Australian agri-food startup that's revolutionising the way we manage fresh food supply chains. If you're interested in finding out more about agtech tech and food innovations changing the future of Australian farming, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast on Evoke Ag. Thanks for listening to Agri-Futures On Air. My name is Steve Honour and I look forward to talking to you next time.